This is Your Brain Health with noted neuroscientist Dr. Kristen Willemeyer. Your Brain Health explores strategies to maximize your cognitive functions through life. When creating this podcast, my intention was to not just bring on experts in the field of medicine, science, and technology as it applies to field of brain health. I wanted to include the stories of real people who have endured brain issues and to share their wisdom on what they have learned to help illuminate a path to empower others who may be going through the same struggles. Today's guest is one such individual who touched my heart nine years ago when I had the honor of meeting him as part of a clinical study investigating the impact of playing professional football on brain function. Ed White is a former all-pro offensive lineman who played 17 years in the NFL, nine years with the Minnesota Vikings, followed by eight years with the San Diego Chargers. He was a second-round draft pick in 1969 out of the prestigious California Berkeley, and he played an impressive 241 games until his his retirement from the NFL in 1986. He played in four Super Bowls with the Vikings and is known as one of the 50 greatest Minnesota Vikings. Following his retirement, he was elected into the College Football Hall of Fame and the San Diego Charger Hall of Fame. He then became a coach for the Chargers, the Rams, Cal Berkeley, and San Diego State, where he's had an instrumental impact on how the game is played. He is affectionately known as Big Ed White to those of us who know and love him, and I've had the pleasure of working with him for several years, getting to know him as part of a brain rehabilitation program we provided to NFL players. Since retiring from coaching in 2004, he now spends his days devoted to expressing his creativity in his art studio in California as an environmental abstract contemporary painter. He's been commissioned to do many bronze sculptures, including John Madden's All-Pro Team, the San Diego Chargers Hall of Fame, and the University of San Diego Hall of Fame, to name a few. I've stayed connected with many of the players I've worked with, and in a recent conversation with Ed, he shared with me that he was recently given a diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease at the age of 71. My heart literally sank. I've grown so close to the players and their families, and I have such a compassion for their journey and their struggles. I asked Ed if he was comfortable coming out and having a dialogue about this and to share his wisdom that he might want to impart to young kids who are playing the sport he loves, both as a former player and a coach. And I'm also going to speak with him about the things he's doing now since his diagnosis in order to stay healthy. So Big Ed, Thank you for being so gracious to join me today. It's an honor and a privilege to have you on. So I'd love for you to share what first drew you to football. Well, first of all, hello, Dr. K. It's an honor to be on, and I've appreciated all that you've done for me over the years, and uh, it's just good to be talking to you. Oh, it's such a pleasure. You know I adore you. Well, and vice versa. (laughs) Were Were you the one who called me Coach K.? Yes, Coach I, K. I think that's where I got my nickname. <laughs> oh. You are. No, I appreciate that very much. And uh, so where, where did you want to start? I'm sorry, I didn't quite get the, I had a bad little connection there. Oh, that's okay. I just wanted you to share with the audience what first drew you to the sport of football. Say that one more time. What first drew you to the sport of football? What interests me in the sport of football? Mm-hmm. Well, I grew up in San Diego. Uh, as a young young lad playing football in the streets, and uh, I I just loved it. And I've, every chance I had, I played the game. And as I kept playing through 
junior high and then high school. I had an opportunity to go to college and Berkeley had offered me a scholarship and I took that. And, uh, you know, from there I went to the Vikings and then the Chargers. And uh, so it, it, it's been with me since I was a, a young boy. That's incredible. And and I wanted to ask you as an offensive lineman, you know, the sports changed so much in the past 20 years. You know, we look at linemen being bigger, faster and stronger. What was the average weight of a lineman back when you played as compared to present day? Well, probably about 260 pounds. And mm-hmm. I was about 280. And so I was big. And my coach had been a what they call a watch charm guard, and he was a, about a 235-pound guard, and he actually played a little pro ball at that. So I was right at the turn of linemen being bigger. And so, uh, you know, when I came in, I was a, one of the largest offensive linemen at that time. Uh, like I said, most of them were about probably 260, 235, 40 to 260 mm-hmm. on the high side, and I was probably 280. Uh, my coach made me play smaller, but when I went to San Diego, I actually played at 280, and I had to I had to get down to about 265, and uh, when I when I was with the Vikings. Oh, that's so interesting. And now, aren't linemen up to 300, 350 oh, yeah. pounds? Yep, 340, 320, 330. They're taller, you know. They're they're just the they're they're growing and. Uh, I think it's the uh, the fertilizers they put on the fruits and vegetables, probably. <laughs> oh, my God, that's funny. Well, and the reason why I bring this up is, you know, we have these bigger, faster, stronger players. And now, um, you know, with the NFL concussion protocols and, you know, looking at player safety, you know, we now have an NFL head, neck and spine committee, which is created these protocols regarding the diagnosis and management of concussions. And back when we were doing our big NFL study, what we found was the linemen tended to take the most number of hits per game. And when we're thinking about brain health, we're thinking about brain health, we think about the repetitive subconcussive impacts and how many of those you take over time and whether that can lead to CTE chronic traumatic encephalopathy, which was discovered by Bennett Amalu back in 2005. So taking all of that into account, I think I wanted you to share with us, what was the extent of player safety, um, especially with regards to head injuries back when you were playing? Well, there wasn't uh, much regard for it because I don't think people thought about it and and, uh, really uh, uh, addressed it. and from the standpoint of equipment safety to uh, to how you play the game, how you coach the game, how you teach uh, different uh, techniques in the game. And, you know, fortunately, because of uh, all that's coming to light, uh, there's a lot more emphasis on all these things. Uh, uh, the techniques that they use, they're now uh, football uh has now, you know, incorporated uh, techniques that teach more like rugby across the bow instead of head to and through. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were taught to put your hat on, a, you know, put your hat on the on the numbers and drive through people, and <laughs> and and they're finding out that's not what you need to do. You know, you really? need to, yeah, you need to to get your get your head out of there. And so I think from the teaching standpoint, uh, to um, to changing the rules, making it safer, 
uh, having the protocol of, hey, if you get, you know, what we called a ding, mm-hmm. you know, as a concussion, uh, we were we were just dinged back then. As soon as you were not dizzy, you were back in, or maybe you never left. Yeah, and, was that uh, getting your bell yeah, rung? Yeah, we get your bell rung. That that those kind of things, and uh, but you know now, of course, they have the protocol of. Uh, you know, checking them out in the little uh, the, the privacy of that tent and, and or they go to the locker room. And if it happens uh, a second time or a third time, you know, they're out for so many games or whatever. I don't know what the protocol is because I've been away from it for a while. But I know there's there is a protocol for that. I know that the uh, players associations is very active and, you know, cutting down the times of full contact. Mm-hmm. And that's important. The game looks just as fast and just as violent to me, so I don't know. I don't know if all that's helping. Equipment, I think, uh, um, from what I hear, the helmets have become uh, far superior to what we we had with suspension helmets. Mm-hmm. And uh, but you know, to me, the just the logic of the the the, the jellyfish brain uh, slapping up against that hard surface on a uh, in an instant stop. It still is going to cause some bleeding and towel process through uh, the protein and all that, uh, you know, to still happen. I, so I don't know that equipment is, is as big an answer as, as just changing rules and changing techniques are. That's actually a really good point. And I was thinking you stopped coaching in 2004, so none of this was really employed when you were um, coaching players because it wasn't until 2005 then Dr. Amalu published his findings on Mike Webster having diagnosing him with the degenerative brain disease CTE so all of this is sort of since 2005 now you know you had shared with me that you had the recent diagnosis of Alzheimer's and I'm so sorry um, to hear this and I, I really you know I mean we've had conversations about this and I've been talking to many players that I worked with 10 years ago that are getting this diagnosis. Um, we're seeing it at a higher frequency in um, NFL players. And there was a study out of the Journal of Neurology, which showed people who play professional football have up to three to four times higher chance of getting a degenerative disease. So I just wanted to ask you, does this change your view of the sport? Well, it it uh, I think it sheds more light on the the things that have to be dealt with. Uh, it, it you know it the, the all the things I mentioned that are happening mm-hmm. uh, not only at the pro level but even the younger uh, levels before high school and high school. My son works for USA Football, and uh, he travels all over the world and p- teaches uh, teaches new techniques and and. Uh, and how to play the game. So I think the safety factor is huge. Um, and so I think that's going to help. I think, uh, you know, from my standpoint, I feel like, you know, my mission has got to be what I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. And that is uh, sharing that, you know, you know, that you need to be careful, you know, you Mm -hmm. need to be careful, especially with young people as they get, you know, I think the brain as it's developing and I'm not an expert, but I do feel like, you know, you don't, you know, you don't bang it around too much as you, you know, I don't think football is something that should be started at a real early age, personally. 
I'm glad and, I'm uh, glad you brought that up. It, you know, I was going to ask you what wisdom would you want to share with parents who have kids who are participating in football who love the game and here you've got your son who's played and is teaching these better techniques and um, we're really much more aware um, from from the side of safety and you know there's new technologies coming out helmet technologies and as you said there's no perfect helmet right a helmet is going to prevent a skull fracture but it's not going to stop the brain from hitting up against the skull and you'll still have the shearing and tearing of the the neurons so you really want to look at how can we protect the brain and I just feel from your vantage point, what would you tell parents? Well, I didn't let my kids play football until they were in high school. I, they we played wow. soccer. And yeah, and uh, I think there's plenty of time for that. I think they can play, but I don't think they need to put on a helmet and start banging their head against things. And uh, I just think that that brain, uh, you know, needs to develop their like their body. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, you don't want to expose them to too much super physical stuff and but yet i i really you know for myself i came from a very middle class working family and football allowed me uh an opportunity to earn my you know scholarship in college and an education and and go on from there and and it provided so much opportunity for me and and there's a lot of kids that come from the same environment that i did and worse that would not have uh, an opportunity to advance uh, as fast and as as as, uh, as well as they can uh, through football. And so, I think there's, you know, it's a wonderful thing for a lot of young young guys. And uh, so, I think it's really important. And uh, from that standpoint, that we keep developing. And I think that it's a sport that people enjoy. I enjoy watching mm-hmm. it and being a part of it. And, a big part of my history so i i love football and i don't want to see it uh thrown in the can but i think that uh, uh they they need to keep stepping up and, and doing all the things they're doing to make it a safer sport i'm dr Kristen willemeyer and you've been listening to part one of my interview with my dear friend professional nfl player ed white please stay with us for part two when we discuss how his alzheimer's disease is impacting his day-to-day life You've been listening to Your Brain Health with Dr. Kristen Willemeyer. For more information or to contact Dr. Willemeyer, visit drwillemeyer.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-E-U-M-I-E-R.com.